Thank you. All right. Well, good morning, TBA. How are y'all this morning? Happy New Year to everybody. Man, is it crazy that it's already 2017? I don't know about you, but for me, it just seems like time goes by so fast. So, all right. Did anybody make any New Year's resolutions this year? Nobody made any. Why not? Okay, then let me ask you this. Have you ever made a New Year's resolution in the past? Raise your hand if you have. All right. Now, if you've ever broken that resolution, raise your hand. Okay. Why do you think so much of, why do you think so many of us break those resolutions? Why do you think we have such a hard time keeping those resolutions? Well, I think there's a multitude of answers for why we don't keep our individual resolutions. But overall, I think the reason is, is that we as human beings are broken and flawed. We just are. We make mistakes. We're not perfect. And we need a second chance to try again. Can you guys get my slides up on the back for me? Thanks. Have you ever wished you had a second chance at something, said something, or done something that you wish you could take back? If you're like me, you've probably had many moments in your life that you wish you could have a do-over or a mulligan, another shot at getting it right. So I'm going to tell you this story, and I, I don't know, I think I've told this story before, but it's been a long time. This was a, a few years back. We all as pastors were going to this conference in Orlando, so we all piled into the car, and we take off, and I'm driving, I decided I would drive. So we take off, and we're on Polk County Parkway. And I'm driving, and we're talking and laughing, and I'm not paying any attention at all because we're talking. Well, the next thing you know, uh, a state trooper is behind me with lights. Apparently, I was speeding. So I pull over on the side of the road, and he comes up, and he asks for my registration and driver's license. So I'm getting my license out, and I'm handing him my driver's license. Now, all the other passengers in the car start laughing uncontrollably. Because they know the picture that is on my driver's license. And so, I hand that to the, to the state trooper, and everybody in the car is laughing. He thinks something's going on funny. And then he gets my license and looks at it, and he starts laughing. So much so that he was like, you know what? I just can't give you a ticket. So, my picture... Got me out of a ticket, and no, no, he was like, can I take a picture of this? So he took a picture, because the people at the station aren't going to believe me. So he takes a picture of it. So I got a second chance at driving under the speed limit. So today we're going to talk about God being a God of second chances. And in fact, I think it would be more accurate to say that he is the God of almost unlimited chances. Because throughout, their, throughout the Bible, there's example after example of God giving people second chances. Even at the beginning, at the beginning with the fall of Adam and Eve, God was ready to give humanity a second chance. Genesis 3 tells the story of how Adam and Eve, how they ate from the tree that they were forbidden to even touch. But instead of immediate death, which is what they deserve for rebelling against God, instead of that, God creates a second chance for them. Look at what he says in verse 15 in Genesis. He says, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. God is telling them that through Eve's offspring, Satan will be destroyed and that humanity will get a second chance to have that perfect relationship with God through Jesus Christ. See, I think a lot of times we see God as this judgmental God 
who's just waiting for us to mess up so that he can destroy us. But the truth is, God has planned these second chances all along. And what I mean is he's had second chances ready before we even messed up. See, think about it. If God is omniscient, if he is a God who knows all things, then he knew, even before he created Adam and Eve, what was going to happen. He knew that human, humankind would blow it, that we would fall. He knew before he created the first thing that Jesus was going to have to die in order for us to be restored. So why create us at all? I mean, why do it? I mean, that's the big question. And I know it's hard to understand, but it comes down simply to love. God loves us that much. God loves us that much. That knowing we were going to mess up and his son was going to have to die for us, he did it anyways. And if you step back and you look at the Bible as a whole, you see this amazing love story unfolding. God, from the very beginning, begins to redeem and restore and set right what we made wrong. And all throughout the Bible, there's this picture of a patient, loving father, protecting us from harm, disciplining us when we go astray, forgiving us when we come back, and picking up the pieces as we mess up the world. And he gives us chance after chance after chance to love him back. I mean, God takes Jacob, who was a constant liar, and he makes him the cornerstone of a nation. He takes Moses, who is a murderer, and uses him to lead Israel out of Egypt. He redeems David from his sin of adultery and murder and calls him a man of my own heart. He takes the woman at the well who's been married and divorced five times and now living with a sixth man and uses her to spread the word of salvation in Samaria. He takes Peter who denies Christ three times and he restores him to lead the church in Jerusalem. And he takes Saul who is persecuting and killing Christians and he renames him Paul and uses him to spread the good news to the Gentiles and eventually to us. And all throughout the Bible in all these stories, God His unending love and amazing grace and mercy is poured out on us. And that picture of that mercy and grace is perfectly shown through his son, Jesus Christ. John Ortberg wrote this. He said, redeeming is what God is into. He is the finder of directionally challenged sheep, the searcher of missing coins, the embracer of foolish prodigal children. His favorite department is the lost and found. If there's one way that human beings constantly underestimate God's love, it is perhaps in his loving longing to forgive us. And see, I'm so very thankful that God is a God of second chances, a God of mercy, because I don't know about you, but man, for me, I need a second chance. I need a third chance, a fourth and fifth chance, because I'm a broken person who desperately needs God's mercy. See, the word mercy means to extend help to the lowest, the most undeserving. It implies compassion that overshadows punishment, even when justice demands it. And a book in the Bible that demonstrates God's immense mercy and grace is the book of Jonah. It's often called the book of second chance. See, the story of Jonah, you've probably heard it before, the story of Jonah and well, You've heard it when you were in Sunday school as a kid, but don't be fooled because it's much more than just a Sunday school story. It's an amazing story of God's character and a great picture of his immense love for all of us. So if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, go on and open to Jonah chapter 1, and let's look in it and see what we can find. And we're going to start at verse 1. 
And it says this, the Lord gave this message to Jonah. He said, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against them because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish and he brought, bought a ticket and went aboard hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now I don't know about you, but that sounds a whole lot like my life. God says to do something, and I go in the opposite direction. And sometimes it's willingly blatant, and I fight with God like Jonah is doing now, or other times it's more subtle. And God says to do something, and then I pretend I didn't hear what he said, or I allow busyness of my life to get in the way to prevent me from doing what he wants me to do. But either way, it's still rebellion. And the truth is, God could just be done with me at that point. But thankfully, he isn't. See, he loves me enough to continue to pursue me, just like he pursues Jonah. Let's look at verse 4. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which one of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? And Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for they had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse, I'm sorry, I lost my place. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know this is a terrible storm. It's all my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So see, even though we try to run away from God, God will never abandon us. He never leaves us. He's always there pursuing us, trying to get our attention, doing whatever it takes to bring us back, even if it means he has to place a storm in our lives. And even if those storms cause us pain, God's willing to do it. See, that's the picture of a father who loves his children. Sometimes it's hard for us to reconcile a God who loves but yet disciplines us. See, we want the love part of God, but we push it against a God who disciplines. But the truth is, is God's love is discipline. God's love is discipline. And the best way that I can reconcile that is through the relationship that I have with my son, Alex. You see, I didn't have a father growing up. 
My father abandoned me. He had little or no contact with me growing up. So I had no idea what a father's love was like. And I believe that's why God put Alex in my life, to show me how much a father loves. Because I love my boy so much at times that it hurts. I mean, I would do anything for him. I would die for him. I love him that much. I want to protect him from all the pain that's in the world. And I want him to have the best possible life that he can have. And see, through Alex, God has shown me that he loves me the same way. He loves me the same way, but infinitely more. He has shown me as a father how he wants to protect me from pain, and he wants to give me everything I want. But knowing that if he does it, it may not be the best thing for me. Because see, as much as I love my son, I know that not everything in this world is good for him. And even though he doesn't understand, I have to deny him things at times to keep him on the right path. And at times I have to discipline him. And even though I hate doing it and I hate seeing him in pain, I hate seeing him suffer, even when it's his own fault, I hate seeing him go through it. And I know that at times I have to leave him in the mess that he's made to sort things out. Even though my instinct is to go and pick him up and pick all the pieces up and fix everything for him. But I can't do that because I know if I do that, he won't learn and he won't change and he'll just end up in the same place again. And so I suffer with my son. I weep with him. I worry with him. And I allow him pain in his life because I want what is good and right for him. And I believe God does the same thing for us. Even though we reject him and we walk away from him, he's always there waiting for us to come back. And he's doing everything possible to bring us back to him, giving us that next chance. Even if that chance is a big fish. Let's look how Jonah responds in chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish, and he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains and was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. And as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. Those who worship false gods turn their backs. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. So attitude is everything. If there's one thing my son will know growing up, only if because I've said it a million times to him, it's that attitude is everything. How we respond to things in our lives, the way that we approach it, greatly affects the outcome. Everything depends on how we face the storm. God puts the storm in Jonah's way because he's looking for a change in Jonah's attitude. 
and a change in his heart. See, the storm isn't there just to cause pain because God didn't want him there in the first place. It was Jonah's choice to go in the opposite direction. The storm isn't for punishment only either. It's to bring repentance to Jonah's heart. See, God is using all that Jonah is going through to build a deeper sense of trust in him. He's refining him. He's teaching him. He's disciplining him with love and showing him the path back. Now, it doesn't mean we always come out better on the other end because just because we're confronted with a storm doesn't mean that we automatically come out healthily in a spiritual condition because sadly, some storms, some leave people in a state of self-pity. It leaves some people angry and bitter and unwilling to take the path of brokenness, but it's their choice. Again, attitude is everything. It's how you face it. It's what you do with it. Others, however, face some of the wildest storms and emerge triumphant and stronger in their faith and more in love with God than ever. Everything depends on how the storm is faced. For Jonah, he was convicted of his sin. See, the purpose of the storm was to bring him to that place of conviction and confession, to a place of brokenness. This is the path back to God. A path of brokenness is the path back to God. In John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins to him, and he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And I think everybody who finds their way to Jesus Christ comes with the realization somewhere along the line that they've messed up terribly and their relationship with God is bad. And they come to God not with this bold list of demands, but they come to him in a humble spirit, in a need of a second chance. And God gives them that second chance. And his chances are for everyone. Now some of you might be saying, well, second chances aren't for me. You don't know what I've done. And I understand where you are if you feel that way, because I felt that way. I mean, I read this story, and I see that God gave Jonah a second chance, and he repented, and I can get that. And I go, okay, Jonah was a decent guy. He was just a little off track, so I can see how God gives him a second chance. But see, it wasn't just Jonah who was getting a second chance. See, God was sending Jonah to the, to the city of Nineveh. And in chapter 3, Nineveh hears God's words of judgment and they repent. And God gives them a second chance and withholds his judgment from the city. Now you have to understand that Nineveh, they were the capital of the Assyrian Empire, an empire which has crushed Judah, struck terror in the hearts of all the nations. Assyria was a ruthless enemy that practiced brutality on men, women, and children. Their armies destroyed and looted. They buried their enemies alive. They even skinned them alive. They impaled people on sharp poles and left them to burn in the sun. And needless to say, they were not liked by any of their neighbors. And nobody would have shed any tears if, if God would have destroyed them. But see, God thought differently. He believed that they deserved a second chance when no one else thought they did. See, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think you are, there is always, always a path back to God. See, our God is a God of second chance. Our God is a loving, willing God, to, willing to forgive God. And I think that's one of Satan's biggest lies is to convince us that our sin is greater than God's love for us. 
See, don't believe that lie that Satan whispers in your ear to make you feel unacceptable to God. The things in your past keep you from God's love. The mistakes that you've made disqualify you from God's grace. See, we've all failed. All of us have. We all make mistakes. We all fall short of God's glory. You say, I don't know the bad things you've done. You don't know the bad things I've done. Horrible things I've done in my life. And just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I haven't messed up badly. And it doesn't mean that I don't continue to mess it up. See, that's why we desperately need Jesus Christ. Christ is our second chance. And let me make this clear. When I'm talking about a second chance, it's not a second chance for us to get it right. You have to understand, we'll never get it right. We're never going to get it right. Because in order to get it right means perfection. That means no sin ever. That's God's standard. And we can never meet that standard on our own. Only one man was able to do that, and that was Jesus. And it's only through his sacrifice on the cross that we're offered that second chance. Again, not to get it right, but the chance to rely upon his grace and his grace only. It's only through God's grace that we ever get it right. See, when Jesus was on the cross, one of the last things he said before he died was, it is finished. And it's a Greek word called tetelestai. But it also has another meaning. Tetelestai also has another meaning. See, in Jesus' time, if you had a bill that you had to pay or you had taxes, you had to pay and you paid your taxes, they would write tetelestai over your bill as a receipt to say that your debt is paid in full. So tetelestai means it's finished, but it also means paid in full. And so Jesus isn't just saying my ministry is finished or completed because it was, but what he's also saying is I have paid your debt in full to tell us die. That is grace, our debt paid in full. And because of that grace, I promise you there is nothing that you've done, there is nothing you could do that would ever drive God away from you. Nothing. God is always pleading. He's always willing to take us back if we're willing to follow the path of brokenness. And we have to follow the path of brokenness. So as we close and the band makes their way back up, I want to leave you with this opportunity. What do you need a second chance at? There is no distance you can walk that is too far for you to come back. See, this is a new year. It's a great time. It's a great time to make a new start. God is a God of second chance. And maybe you need a second chance to fix a damaged relationship. A second chance to get things right with God. Confess your sin and repent and come back to Him. A second chance to start living for Him. A second chance to get your priorities in order. A second chance to seek forgiveness from the person you hurt or to accept forgiveness from the one who hurt you. Maybe you've never accepted Christ before. Maybe this is your first time here, and you're like, man, I don't even know what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like, but I know I've messed up in my life. Today is a day that you can make things right. God is offering that opportunity for you to accept his son as your savior, to depend on his grace to bring you back into that right relationship. 
Maybe that's what you need to do. You need to take that first step. Listen, I don't know what steps you need to take. I don't know what God's putting on your heart this new year for you to respond. But I want you to know that there are people available to help you in that. That next step center over there, there will be people there that will pray with you. They will give you resources to help you walk that journey, to take that next step in whatever God's asking you to do. So I would say this to you as in this new year, starting this new year. Man, if God is speaking to your heart, don't ignore it. Don't walk in the opposite direction like Jonah did. Embrace what God has for you today. Respond to what he has today. So whatever it is, when the band plays, respond as God leads you. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for this new year, this new start that you give us. God, we thank you that you are a God of second chances that is always willing to give us a fresh start. And Lord, as we start this year out, my prayer is, Lord, that we will start the year off centered on you in all that we do. And God, help us to live our lives fully for you in all that we do. And God, whatever you're putting on our hearts today to make right, for those of us that need that second chance, God, I pray that you would give us courage to step out and respond to the things you've asked us to do. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.